Hello and welcome to the Jonathan Bell Show. This is a show documenting my journey after quitting my 9 to 5 job to pursue a career being a creative. Thank you for tuning in. What's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of the Jonathan Bell Show. And today we have another segment called Behind the Mic. And joining us today on Behind the Mic is Patrick Tumblety. Tumblety. Did I say that correct? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Okay, <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, Patrick. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, great to be on here. I'm a big fan of yours, so uh, I feel uh, pretty blessed to be on here. Oh, well, thank you very much. We know each other through Twitter, and uh, when I asked if anybody wanted to come on, you, you sent a reply, which I was thankful for. So can you let everybody know a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I, uh, I'm a author. I do fiction, horror, thriller, um, kind of a little bit of everything. I do a lot of cross-genre things. I've been published since about 2000, uh, yeah, 2012 um, in various anthologies. You can find me in a bunch of places. And uh, I'm also a multimedia artist. So I do photography, uh, illustration, and um, video and sound design. Um, so kind of, I try to be a storyteller basically all through all those mediums, but my first love is writing and that's what, uh, I've been doing for a long time now. Dang. I didn't know you did that. I didn't know that, that your that your multimedia in your Twitter description entailed all of those things. So <laughs> that's a well, lot. It's funny cause I, um, you know, I kind of, I, I love storytelling in all mediums. Um, but I tried to distill it down to like, what, what, what do I want to put forward? Um, and, uh, yeah, I think writing is my first love and that's really what I'm trying to push right now. Um, and, uh, it's been pretty, pretty great. So, uh, I try to, uh, I try not to get too many things because if I do, I just tend to, um, do a thousand projects, not finish any of them. So, uh, so if I stick to the writing persona, then I get the writing done. So that's what I've been concentrating on. Well, that's a pretty good mindset to have. Honestly, I mean, I, I can understand how you feel on that because there's a lot of times where I'll, uh, you know, like one day I'll post something for one of my mediums and it's a uh, website where I wrote something or, you know, it'd be either photos or like a drawing or a video or this or that. So it's great having all those tools in your tool belt to know how to make one thing. But when you have a lot of one things to make, that's where it kind of gets overwhelming a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that, though, because that's actually something that I uh, encourage, you know, a lot of a lot of younger artists, um, especially when they go back to my, uh, my university, which was University of the Arts. I graduated in 2007. Uh, sometimes I go back and speak there, and people ask me, like, what's the best advice you got? And I said, make yourself useful in everything surrounding what you do. Um, because, you know, if you... If you if you're just like a, a one note person, if like if you want to go concentrate, um, I feel like it closes a lot of doors. Uh, but if you open yourself up to other things, um, you get more opportunities, even even on the business end. Uh, so for like those who go for um, multimedia, uh, let's say you want to be a, a cinematographer or a director, I would say take some acting classes or or take a um, a, a building course so you can help behind the scenes if somebody needs it. Um, these opportunities, um, especially when you're starting out, are always good because 
uh, somebody's going to need something somewhere. Um, I started out as a camera person, and somebody once said, hey, we need an editor for a project. And I go, well, I do that too. And that one decision helped me uh, get a job right out of college. So I actually encourage people to do a lot of different things starting out. And then when you get really comfortable, then start finding your focus. No, that's pretty solid advice, Patrick. Hey, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was practical too, since you've used it as well. So, when did, if you were editor right out of college, when did the uh, writing come in and getting published in the books? Um, writing was writing was always in the background for me. Um, it had always been my first love. Um, even when I was doing multimedia, it was for the purpose of telling stories. Um, so it was always there in the background, and so as I was making a living and, and, and trying to, uh, you know, survive the world outside of college. Um, I still was writing. I still was doing whatever I could to really hit the ground running with it. Um, and then it got to the point where I really wanted to, um, kind of like we just said, like I wanted to put that foot forward. I wanted to be like, no, I want to write. I want to be, this is the thing I want to do the most. Um, so I decided um, that I was going to, pulled back in the multimedia um, for, for several reasons, but uh, the main being that I, I wanted to just go 100% into writing, and um, that gamble paid off. I, I sent out, you know, I spent most of my time sending out a lot of writing, and uh, I luckily, you know, knock on wood, uh, got a lot back, and it kind of snowballed from there. Um, so, yeah, that's what, you know, I also, you know, at the time I was doing multimedia, I, uh, I traveled a lot, which was great, but I didn't want to do that anymore because I, I had just uh, gotten engaged and I knew I wanted to start a family. And I didn't really want to like be away for weeks at a time. And uh, I also didn't want to be on call all the time. You know, when you're dealing with a lot of multimedia places and, you know, there's always deadlines, there's always, you know, push-ups to the deadlines and things like that. And I didn't want that kind of uncertainty. I wanted a nine-to-five job where I can leave it behind at the end of the day and concentrate on, you know, things I really wanted to concentrate on. So it was a big turning point for me, but uh, that's when I decided to just be a writer full-time. And uh, with the writing uh, getting picked up a lot, um, I just, I did what I could and ran with it. Oh, well, that is awesome. And I'm looking at your Amazon right now, and you have eight paperbacks on there. or eight. And so far, what I see, you have eight on here, which is pretty dang awesome. So it seems like that leap of faith kind of turned out correctly then. Yeah, it did. You know, I, um, you know there's also, you know, it's, uh, everyone else is kind of too. There's a lot of people who um, saw potential in me um, that I have to give a lot of credit to, um, as well as, there's also, you know, there, there's a bunch on Amazon or some Barnes and Noble, um, but I also encourage people to seek out like some of the uh, the indie uh, horror publishers right now, who are doing some amazing work, and um, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff out there, and they just kind of got us go searching for it. So, um, but yeah, so it, it's been it's been pretty fun. It's been pretty. Uh, it's, it's basically everything I wanted to do. So. I'm glad that I'm glad that worked out. Now, as you know, the the purpose of the show is to talk about you know the person behind the microphone. So I just want to ask: Was there anything in particular you wanted to like to share or let anybody know in in uh, at all or in particular? Well, it was interesting because so I, I'm sure I was bothering you all week, going back and forth with uh, what I wanted to represent or talk about. Um, 
because of, you know, with my writing, one of the reasons I, I like to write is because, you know, I, I think with any writer, it, it's, it's very therapeutic. Um, and uh, I'm a person who was, well, for a long time, uh, battling um, anxiety, depression, bipolar, um, kind of dealing with that a lot. And my writing reflects that. Um, so, uh, you know, I kind of started coming with that angle. And, you know, I kept hemming and hauling about whatever I'm talking about. And then I started to realize um, that the biggest question I get, um, whether it's from people at my work or um, whether it's younger artists, is where do you find the time? And uh, it's probably the best question you can ever ask. Like, where, how do you find the time to do the writing? Um, right now, I just completed my uh, I completed my first novel, and I'm trying to find representation for it. I'm Congratulations! And oh, thank you. And um, people always ask, and I like so it kind of dawned on me. I was like, no, that's the question I think I should bring up. Is uh, and I think that that's the best thing to talk about um, because it's something I feel everyone can do. Time is always your enemy, um, and I think that uh, people get this image of a writer in their head that they're, you know, sitting in the corner, you know, in the dark, writing feverishly for 12 hours a day. And most of the time, that's just not true. We all have, we have other jobs, because, you know, unless you're, unless you are Stephen King or, or Dean Koontz and you become this name, you're, uh, you're not getting paid much. So, um, you know, I kind of wanted to, to, to dispel that and just say anybody can be a creator, whether it's writer um, whether it's a multimedia, an artist, um, anybody can be a creator, and there's no time limit, um, and you just have to find the time. So that that's something that uh, has really been kind of like in the back of my head for a long time, because that's the question that I keep getting. All right. So from multimedia to writing, what were what were some of the learning curves with your time management? Um, the biggest thing, you know, with with multimedia. It was a, a lot of technical work, so, you know, I could pick up on a project from where I left off and, and kind of just run with it. Um, I found that with writing, there was so much of a psychological component to it. Um, my uh, couple of stories that I wrote early on were very, not autobiographical, but very much based on experiences or, or feelings that I had. And so having to, like you know, open my computer and sit there when it's like 10 minutes after doing dinner and like an hour before bed. It's like, oh no, like to get into this headspace, I need to, like, it's being disingenuous for me to just start writing because it's, um, you know, it, it, it's personal. It's something you have to think about. And that was a learning curve. I like being able to call on that part of myself to be able to utilize the time that I had to do it. Um, and uh, it, it, but the, the best thing I learned from that is that it doesn't always have to be perfect. Um, you know, even if you're not in the mood to talk about X or to write X, um, do whatever you can and then fix it later. Um, one of the best ways to utilize that time is to just work uh, and do the best you can. And then when you have time later, go back and edit it. Go back and think about what you were feeling at the time. Go back and, and just... Uh, you know, try to get back in that headspace. Um, but you don't need to be perfect every time. And I think a lot of people, especially starting out, think that that's how it happens, that you, you put things on the page and you either do it or you're not. But it takes a lot of work. And that's what you use time for, just to keep getting better and better. 
So how much of that example that you just said was spent on that novel that you just completed? Um, that was that was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to learn, uh, especially with that novel. The first novel was very autobiographical um, in experience, and it had gotten to the point where I was almost paralyzed by writing it uh, because in any given moment I had to think about things about my childhood, things how I feel now, and things how... I, I've interpreted it, so um, it was only after I could disengage from the writing that I was able to really tackle it, because once I got into a headspace, um, you know, when it, when it comes to the subject matter, it was kind of like, it just, you know, kind of puts you in a, it's like trying to remember a, a time when you, when a, when a girl broke your heart, and you're like, well, I don't want to remember this, because like, my heart got broke. Well, I want to write about it. And so it's like, how do you write about something that makes you sad to write about, but it's also cathartic at the same time? It was, it's such a weird thing that, like, it almost would paralyze me into writing, uh, into not writing. And uh, so I just kind of had to plow through it. And so what I would do is I would utilize the time by writing as much as I could in the time that I had. And then I would actually step away from it, write something more fun, write something maybe silly, or work on another project, whether it's art or something else. That way, when I went back to it, I could see it as just words on the page instead of as remembering, like, dredging up something from the past. So that actually helped me a lot. Yeah, that that does seem kind of... I mean, I understand what you're saying there. Um, I'm just... I was just trying to picture what you just said. And, yeah, it is like when you have an idea and you want to do something, but then you start and think about how you are affected which in any given way, and then you just kind of go into a rabbit hole with that. <laughs> and then you just want to throw, throw the computer against the wall, or your piece of paper and pen out the window. Uh, yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, if you're writing about something that makes you sad, now you're sad. And now you're going to have to write it. It's like, how do you find motivation with that? But, you know, it's one thing that I always try to keep in mind, you know, even though I write horror and I, and I like to have fun, I mean, Anything from ghosts to vampires, even psychological horror. You know, I want it to be fun, um, but I also want it to mean something. Um, I don't want to, you know, you'll never see me writing, you know, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, I love those movies, but you'll never see me writing it. There's always gonna, it's, it's always going to be something a little more toward um, a heroic um, sensibility. Um, and that's what, that's what really pushes me through. Um, even if I'm writing something that's a little dour, I try to find the good side in that darkness. And that's kind of the reason I write. And so that kind of pushes me through. It's, it's like, okay, if you don't want to sit here and do this, if you have other things, if you're stressed, if you're depressed, just imagine how you're going to feel when you finish it. And that's something that I always tell myself to get through it. Oh, that, that is pretty solid. Uh, I, I do have one question though. So from the multimedia to doing the writing, because you wanted to have a family, and then you just said you finished your first novel. And we're, since we're talking about time management, do you have a family now? Yes, I do. I actually, uh, I have uh, a wife and a three-year-old and a really strange cat. Okay. So, yeah, so with the time management and like, if you didn't, you didn't have the daughter, I don't know about your wife and the, and the multimedia aspect, but you, you stopped that to have uh, a family and to do writing because that's what you want to do. But then obviously the family brought on more more uh time maybe possibly away and then with a child and the cat so how did you how did the time management shift between uh you know from one job that you didn't really want to do 
to actually like family time? Um, that's a good question. One of the, obviously your time gets really truncated when you have a child. Um, you are always on, and uh, that's tough, especially when you need to just relax and think. You know, sometimes at the end of the day, it's like once once the baby goes to bed, all you want to do is stare at the wall and draw on yourself because you really have no mental <laughs> capacity for anything else. Oh, I believe you. That's um, why I'm not having any. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it really is. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, man, you know, when you have – and it's true. I mean, it's hard. Um, I think one of the best things to do, like anything else, is, is find the things that inspire you. Um with having, um, with having that family, like having what you want. Um, don't lose perspective. Um, I think it's very easy, especially, you know, we kind of live in a world of very uh, toxic masculinity these days. And I think a lot of people would be like, oh, you, have, you got married, that's the end. You had a baby, that's the end. And uh, that kind of language could get really, like, really heavy. And I think you need to keep in perspective that, you know, your choices are your choices. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a family. And so I could sit there and go, I'm tired. I'm tired. I don't want to do X. I don't want to, you know, but really it's like, sometimes I just look at my, my daughter and I, and that actually gives me inspiration. And so even though I'm tired, I'll write as much as I can until I pass out. Um, and even though it makes the process slower, it doesn't make it any less fun. And it doesn't, and it only kind of, it, it empowers what you do. Um, so that, I think that is a trade-off. Yes, you have a, a lot of less time and energy, but the time that you do utilize um, is, is that much more important to you. And it, and it honestly prioritizes me a lot um, because, you know, my two loves, my family and my writing. And when my family's all put to bed, I go to my writing, and it's actually solidifying that way. Like, it, it's very inspirational to me that way because I really don't have anything else to worry about. I, I did my duty as a dad, I did my duty as a husband and a partner, and now I'm going to do my duty as a writer. And I don't have anything else to worry about, and that's actually a really good feeling. Hmm, that's a really good way to look at it. Thank you. Yeah. A pretty dang good answer. So, uh, what, what else did I want to want to ask you there? Um, with the novel now, and how, how different is it going to be finding representation for this as opposed to all the other books that you already have out? Um, so it's a good question. So for the publishing world, it's, it's, I always, I always uh, find it a good analogy saying that, you know, it's like trying to find a job, um, where you need experience, right? So if you, if you were starting out, if you were young and you're starting out at like, um, you wanted to, let's say, um, be a waiter and they'll ask you, okay, well, what? Hosting or, or waitressing, have you have you done? And uh, you know, you could say, well, none. This is my first, and there are places for that. Or you could say, okay, well, I've done this, 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 and this. So, with the smaller publications, um, or even the bigger publications, you know, with the, the shorter works or the anthologies I was in, um, I was able to kind of really hone my voice, which was really good. Um, I was able, you know, like if I have a horror science fiction story, there are so many markets for that. Um, you just gotta be able to put the work in to send them out. With a a full novel, you're not just selling the story; you're actually kind of selling you as the creator. 
Um, you're all you're, you're selling saying like I have this product and convincing somebody to represent your product because they have faith that it would sell. And um, that's tough sometimes. Um, so like right now, I spent you know a, a good portion of the last eight years building up basically a resume saying I sold my stories in these markets and, and in these genres, and this is the good reviews I've gotten. And these are you know, so you're basically um, saying like I can, you can represent the story and have faith that I have a good, um, that my work can be taken well and, and sold. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. So the, so the smaller works are about getting yourself out there, and the larger works, I feel like, are, are about representing um, the whole of what you can do. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I can see how that's that would be two kind of totally different things, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean that makes sense with what you say. I'm not a writer, so I'm I'm still trying to like whenever I hear people talk about this this whole world of publishing, I have to keep getting clarification for it because I have no idea how that works at all. Well, the process itself is uh, is it's kind of uh, there, there's a lot of communities, um, especially the hard community right now. It's kind of pretty great. I mean, I think you know whether it's film or books, we're kind of going through a hard renaissance right now. Um, and, uh, it's been pretty awesome the last few years, especially cause there's a lot of great work coming out of it. And so when it comes to shorter works, you know, you, you can either pitch the contest, you can send them to, um, you know, different, um, you know, in, indie publishers or even, or even, you know, mass market publishers who are having inclusive things, uh, for, um, non-represented authors. So that's authors who don't have representation from um, an agent. Um, they uh, they'll, they'll take anything, and I encourage a lot of like the younger writers who I meet to start doing that as early as possible, um, because you can only get better um, by sending these out. Um, don't be afraid of rejection. Uh, thousands of people submit to thousands of different, um, whether it's anthologies, magazines, periodicals. They. Uh, you will get lots of rejections. You're supposed to. That's okay. Statistically, it's fine. Um, but you're not going to be able to get in if you don't just keep doing it. So the shorter works really allow you to have open communication with how you write and how how people are seeing you. And that really just it helps you you hone your craft. Um, I prefer. I actually prefer short works. I love writing short stories. Um, kind of like the way people like write, like to write poetry instead of stories. It's kind of like I like to write short stories instead of longer stories. Um, but there are a few novels that I really uh, want to write. And so I'm trying to find an agent for that to see how, how far I can I can make it. Um, you know, whether it's international, whether it's, you know, in, in one of the bigger markets like Penguin or Random House or things like that, just to see how many people I can um, I can reach. Seems like a good goal, practice. Um, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, it's the only thing I ever really wanted to do with my life, even since I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's just, you know, I'm just going to keep, I just can't stop. So, from switching your career paths, when, have you ever had a moment writing your shorts that you wanted to quit 
and go back to just doing multimedia? And if you did, how did you get through it? Um, actually, that's a very topical question because uh, that just happened. Um, I, I never want to stop telling stories. The physical act of writing, which I don't think I'm alone in this, is it's just stressful. Um, sitting, sit, sitting at the computer and putting the words on a page is, is, is really hard. Um, I didn't think for any writer. I think it was Neil Gaiman who said, uh, you know, put, put words in front of each other on a piece of paper. It's that easy and that difficult. And always, and that, that quote kind of always, always stuck with me. Um, so one of the ways that I try to break it up is, um, is to go back to multimedia because I, I miss, uh, you know, Every once in a while, I really like, you know, miss editing or sound design. Um, so my latest project, now that the, the first book is done, I finished a couple other shorts that I had sent out this year. Um, my latest project right now is in October, I'm releasing a audio series. So they're, they're going to be like short five-minute audio books, stories, they're po- uh, prose and poetry um, all dealing with um, the month of October, autumn, Halloween, just kind of like seasonal pieces. And I'm going to be releasing that online for free every Thursday leading up to Halloween in October. And so that gave me a way not only to tell a story, but to utilize the media aspect and kind of really keep it fresh. Um, because, uh, you know, I spent a lot of, you know, I spent the first half of this year just sitting at a computer writing and so i wanted to do something a little more tactile i I wanted to be able to to cut sound and and cut you know all these different kinds i've got i got a couple actors to do the voices to kind of give it something else and and so uh just to kind of keep me on my toes i went back to the multimedia side and and started telling the stories that way and so i'll be releasing that in october oh that's pretty awesome it's like you got a lot of cool stuff going on that's a good way to uh to kind of keep your feet in both doors at the same time i mean going back to the beginning of the conversation, having all those tools to be able to create the things that you want. And now this seems like a, a pretty good uh, understanding of that. Yeah, I think uh, it's important, um, even for your own sanity. You know, a lot of the questions I see, especially like uh, with the horror writing, not even horror, just the literature community on, on Twitter, a lot, is a lot of people will say, like, what do you do when you just hit a wall? And my advice is always go find another wall to hit. Um, just like go, you know what I mean? Like just go do something else. Like there's no reason you can't step away from something. It'll actually only help you in the long run. And I think it's important to do that. Even if it's something that's outside of, you know, if you're a writer and you want to do something completely that, that you're terrible at, like take a sculpting class if you've never done it. Like do do something, if you want to do something creative, do it. If not, don't. Um, one of the things that I have trouble with right now is just, just sitting down enjoying myself, like watching a movie, um, you know, because I'm always like, oh, I should be doing this, I should be doing this, but it's really important to just take time for yourself and step away from the project, or else you're not going to be able to get it done. You're just going to just start regretting it. Um, so if you're writing a horror movie, no, I'm sorry, like a, a writing a horror story, go watch a romance movie. Like just take yourself out of it. Don't be afraid to take yourself out of it. It's still there. It's waiting for you. Um, do whatever you can to keep it fresh in your head. That's I, I totally agree with you on that, Patrick. And just to piggyback off of what you're saying, like when I am not feeling as creative with like an edit or photography or something, 
One of the main things, I mean, I don't live in anywhere near a muse, like a museum now or like bookstores, but when I did live in civilization, I would at least try to go to a bookstore every week just to keep, look at all the magazines that come out weekly and, you know, fill my head with different ideas or I would watch different shows. One of the things I do here now is I watch a lot of different shows with, uh, you know, Hulu, Netflix and stuff while I'm editing or I'll go online and look through all my, you know, Pinterest or stuff like that. But I usually try to, if I'm stuck, I will try to fill my head with a bunch of other stuff because our minds look so weird. They just randomly get an idea of all the stuff that you put in and just make it into something completely that you would never have thought would have happened. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's honestly the best best thing you can do because, you know, I'll give you a good example, you know, I, so I'm working on this project for October and I'm loving it, um, but I was kind of like burning the candle at both ends last week, so there was a ton of things I was doing and I hadn't watched Stranger Things season three yet. I love Stranger Things. Um, that's kind of, that's the kind of story that I'm trying to really, to write, especially with the novel. And I forced myself, like, I put my phone in the other room, I put my computer away, and I forced myself to sit there and watch it. And, like, by the second episode, I went, oh, yeah, that's why I'm doing this. And, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to create. And it it really reset me. Uh, And like you said, you know, one of the best things for me is if I go to a bookstore, I'm in there for 10 minutes and I'm rejuvenated again. Just, like, being around there. I mean, you know, people who love books understand, you know, smelling a new book like there's nothing better in the world especially when you want to be a writer it just like really like rejuvenates you yeah i think like if i could never if you were to blindfold me and march me into a barnes and noble i would immediately know what it smells like just because it it has that signature smell you know yep yeah oh i just So that was one example. What are some other examples that you might have that you have that when you get those feelings that you'll use to pull yourself out of it? Um, find, I would say find comfort in the people around you. Um, have them, if, if you, if you're really, if you're really into something that is giving you a problem, or you kind of hit that wall. Give it to somebody. Um, I know a lot. There's a lot of artists out there, and, and you know, having gone through art school, I, I totally understand that people are very guarded of their art. Um, however, exactly like you said, you whatever you put in uh, is what you get out. And do not be afraid um, of putting your work out there to get uh, a better perspective. Um, you know, find people you trust, but also find people to trust to give you good feedback. Um, you know, the honest feedback. Um, and just, you know, go, go from there. If you need to step away and say, is this working? Um, have somebody else, you know, kind of help you with that. Um, again, uh, coincidentally, another Neil Gaiman quote uh, I always think about as well, because he says, you know, if somebody takes a look at your work and says, I don't like X, change X. You probably should have listened to them. It's a personal thing. But if several people say, I don't know if this is working for me, it probably doesn't work. And I think that what he means by that is you got to find people who know your voice, understand your voice, and um, 
are able to work with you um, while still giving you good, honest criticism. Um, so that's definitely another example of like how to reset yourself um, is to let go of it, give it to somebody else, and then or or several people, and then let it let it come back to you and, and reassess. That's actually pretty solid advice. Thanks for that, Patrick. I'm like I'm gonna have to yeah, no I have to replay that in my head later, or just replay this. <laughs> replay. Well, and now I need to well, look like up I a said, bunch of his quotes. Jeez. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I rambled on, so feel free to cut this down to whatever you need. <laughs> no, um, it's just the whole thing. But, yeah, but. No, 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 guy, no guy is actually great. So I, I graduated from the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, and. Uh, I'd always been a huge fan of Neil Gaiman, and I was so upset because the year after I graduated in 2008, he did a really famous speech at the commencement address for the year after I graduated. Dang. So I was like, man, I, I missed him by one year. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good quotes that I like. You know what? That's the best advice too. And and any writer ever will tell you this: just read more. Um, if you're having trouble with a, you know with a story you're working on, or even if you're an artist and, and you're trying to tell a story through visual medium, go look at the people who inspire you. Um, that'll, you know, and like I said, like I was having trouble with this one story. I watched Stranger Things and I go, oh yeah, that's what I'm trying to hit. And that really resets you. Um, you know, go, go just read, even read bad stuff. You know, try to find stuff that isn't good. Um, that way you know what not to do. Um, you know, people always ask me, why did you see this really terrible b-rated film I'm like well now i know what not to do i know what makes it b-rated and um so i just you know that's the, that's the other thing it's just, just keep consuming the stuff you want to consume yeah i totally agree i, I did want to circle back around you had brought up toxic masculinity um is that something you've been experienced with in both form and in, in both careers that you've had oh absolutely um yeah, I mean that, that's a it's a really big sticking point. Um, I mean that's a whole I mean that's a whole other thing I can go into um, if you'd like to. And one of the things that I um, I've experienced is on the personal side as well as the as as the professional side when it comes to writing and multimedia um, is just how um, how judgmental people can be about certain things. Um, and kind of like, you know, what we're experiencing right now, even in other media, just like subgroups that happen and, you know, people just being nasty to each other for no reason or, or because they think it makes them feel better. And a lot of that is from the toxic masculinity right now. I mean, you know, we had, you know, Captain Marvel, you know, was a movie that came out and, you know, we had, you know, one headlining woman and, and, and men freaked out, like, you know, like, God forbid we have one woman leading a movie out of, out of 35, you know, like, um, and I, you know, that's stuff that I kind of experience, you know, in a lot of places, whether it's in, at home life or as a writer, um, there's always going to be those, um, those kind of, kind of barriers, you know, I, I'm fortunate on, you know, in an unfortunate way, I mean, I may, 35 year old white male i don't have those barriers that a lot of um females minorities um not do and it's just it's really um it's really sad that we're still in 2019 at the state where you know 
another 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 you know middle aged white guy can write a book and people praise it. But you know, a, a a young African woman writes a horror novel and people flip out and say somebody else wrote it. Couldn't it have been her? And it's just like it's really sad. Um, and uh, I kind of hope that goes away very soon. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was just looking at. I just saw some things on Twitter actually about how, uh, like on Marvel's Instagram or Disney's Instagram, how they announced She-Hulk, and I kind of believe how many people were like, "Who cares? Bring Spider-Man back, and why are they doing that? And we don't want that and that." And it's just like, give me um, a flipping break. The thing that well, the thing that cracks me up about that, right? that She-Hulk has been around for like 35 years, 40 years. And so people don't even, that's the problem, that people don't even think, they just react. So it's like, you know, I, I saw one comment today, somebody is like, oh, so now they have to make up characters just to include women? I'm like, okay, first of all, <laughs> you obviously are, are the comic book fan that you're, you say you are because you don't know who She-Hulk is, who I was reading when I was 10 years old. Like, you are just a sexist jerk trying to find an excuse to argue. And, you know what I mean? Like, like that's the thing that nobody thinks these things through. Um, and I got to tell you, you know, I don't know, you know, one of the reasons I followed you too, like I listened to, the, for the second time, actually, your uh, interview with Rue, uh, the cosplayer. Right. Um, she, yeah, she is fantastic. And, uh, and it's really sad, a lot of the opposition she gets. Um. And uh, because it's like, she's doing something so wonderfully progressive. And a lot of people say to me, they're like, aren't you upset? And I don't agree with this, but they're like, aren't you upset that they're shoehorning, you know, minority characters in? I go, even if they were shoehorning them in, no, I'm not upset. Because the only way that things are going to get done is if we just disrupt the whole status quo. Um, my, in, my, uh, in my Twitter uh my Twitter uh, description, I put, uh, I'm a chaotic good SJW uh, because I'm all for including people on a radical way um, because it's, it's, it's gotten to the point now where if we don't start um, changing things now, it's never going to get done. It is 2019 and we can't be up in arms about having a female superhero. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, I don't want my daughter to grow up in a, in, in a, in a world where a one woman gets a a movie out of 35 other male superheroes and people go nuts about it um and uh yeah so i you know i i'm, I'm all for radical change you know you know give me minorities in, in leads give me you know black panther five i want them all and uh i want to really just piss off anybody who's against inclusion that's a good way to be and appreciate that patrick but going back to what you said earlier how you experienced that in like your work and careers when you when you have experienced stuff like that, so then what? Uh, how do you deal with that in a workplace, like personally? Um. So in the, in the workplace, it's you know, in the workplace, it's always tricky because um, you got to make sure that you're also surrounded by people who will help you. Um, and I think a lot of the times, especially. Um, like, I, I know, especially a lot of times, like, women will, will be, you know, in a very, you know, male-dominated place, and they feel trapped, and that's that's terrifying. Um, when it comes to finding that, though, it's, you need to trust the people you work with, and they need to be trustworthy. Um, I'll give you a good example of time. So, um, you can't tell 
because you can't see me, but I'm actually quite a small guy. I'm actually only five foot one, and I'm 35 years old. I've been in situations where people I'm doing business meetings with, you know, wearing a suit and tie, have literally laughed and have been uncomfortable with how I looked. Um, I have been asked, I've been asked to leave projects because of how uncomfortable um, I make people feel because I'm always the shortest guy in the room. Um, one of the ways that I, I combat it, that is my boss and my coworkers refuse to cater to it. Um, my boss has, you know, or my old boss, rather, when I was doing multimedia, he actually decided not to take certain jobs because uh, he knew that, that that was going to be a problem for the other people. Um, and that's great. And I like that. That's just great support. So I feel like, um, you know, do your best to try to find people who you can be around who will support you for your talent and not for any physical, racial, um, religious aspect that you may have differently than everyone else. Jesus. Like, I know that. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't. People really would do that because of your height? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I would get heckled everywhere I, I, where I go. Um, when I was uh, when I was doing filming, um, yeah, I mean, you know, and, it, and it's always, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, I'm 35 years old. I have, you know, I'm kind of leading the life I always wanted to live, so it doesn't really bother me as much. Um, obviously now, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, and that's just me. I mean, and that's just for being short. Like, and that's why I I always feel uncomfortable talking about that because I know there's so many different people. Who, like whether it's women, minorities, they're having much worse time than I am uh, because of something that they can't control. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it, it's like I said, it's 2019 and it's still going on and it's just, it's, it's crazy. And uh, I just, I just hope that something changes soon. Yeah, we got to be the change, right? Uh, absolutely right. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was listening to your, um, your episode about the SEO, um, when you were trying to describe yourself. Right. And uh, how you were saying um, how a lot of people were um, trying to trying to find, uh, or, or typing in Black Superman. And you're like, well, that's not how I want to present myself. That's what people are typing in. And, um, and it's so weird to have that filter on everything, you know? Right. It is. It is. It's like if if a, if a woman dresses as as Batman, she's immediately called Batwoman. But what if she wanted to be Batman? Like you're making this assumption. You know what I mean? Like if I dressed as Superman, would people call me short Superman? Probably. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Like that. You know that that's just, it, it, it's weird. It's just like you know you have this uh, people kind of uh, you know look at who you are first and then make you know and then make a decision and it's just unfortunate you know what i mean um so yeah yeah i totally know what you meant on that and that was like that's pretty much one of the most prideful things i've had to overcome with recently this year was to suck it up and be like well hey you know it's not everybody has osmosis and what i think not everybody knows what but you know what i mean like it makes sense what i'm doing but what like what you just said it's like that's just how it's, that's just what people do when they look at somebody. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. I mean, had I not followed you on Twitter and I wanted to find you again, I'd probably put Black Superman. I mean, that was what I was looking at. So, I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody. Um, but yeah, you're right. It comes when it's like, oh, like it's a weird egotistical thing. Like I have to describe myself in someone else's eyes, and uh, sometimes that can be very humbling, and sometimes it can be very sad because people pigeonhole you at certain things, and uh, you kind of want to be more than that, you know. Um, so I mean, I mean, just just look at that. I mean, that's when I started um, following you. Actually, some but one of the people I follow retweeted uh, one of I think it was a picture of you. It was one of your uh, really awesome uh, levitating pictures. And I was like, here's this devilishly handsome guy floating in the air who's wearing the Superman outfit better than Henry Cavill did. Like, this is great. I'm going to follow this guy. And then he started tweeting. I started following him. I'm like, oh, this is a really nice guy. Everything he says, I agree with. Like, I, I, he's almost a philanthropist the way he does things. He opens up to people. He gets... He's trying to inspire people. And so it was like you're pulling off of the layers to discover somebody. Um, and uh, unfortunately, people only stop at that first layer a lot. And, uh, yeah, it, it's sad sometimes. But, you know, then again, you do what you can. You know, you, you just put your work out there and, and see who gets it. That's true. Well, thank you for those compliments, Patrick. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that, but thank you. Uh, I appreciate yeah. that. That was nice of you to say. And and also, before I ask where can people find you online, uh, is there anything in particular you wanted to share before we uh, close out this segment? Um, no, you know, uh, like I said, the, um, feel free to cut any of this at any time because I ramble. But, um, no, the only thing uh, I want to say is if you're a creator, whether you're just starting out or whether you're 55 years old, you know, doesn't matter. Find the time. Do it. If you if you write one page a day for 60 days, you have 60 pages. And that's more than a lot of people do. So find the time. Uh, get it done. And um, don't. Don't worry about anything external. Just just you and what you want to create, and you just create it. Um, another another quote because I always try to pick on the best is uh, Stephen King said something that I remind myself every single day when I wake up. He said, "Some people wait for inspiration to happen. The rest of us just get up and go to work." And that is something I, I, just, I say every day because it's absolutely true. Just put the work in, and something will come from it. I like that quote. I'm gonna have to look at both of those, both quote. of those authors' quotes now all the time. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, what that, I, I mean, do. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> can't go wrong with that. Okay, and lastly, I want to ask, where can people find you online, Patrick? Uh, people can find me online in several places. Uh, kind of like what you did, just Google my name, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, I'm in um, about a dozen or so anthologies, magazines, um, encourage to type in my name, go to these, um, even, even the, uh, the smaller magazines and just support them, uh, as much as you can, because they're really getting voices like voices like me who have not been established or has found representation and they're putting them out there and it's awesome stuff. 
Um, so I would say just start there. Just Google Patrick Tumblety and look at some of the work I've done and some put in. And feel free to message me on Twitter, email me. I I love talking to people. I love people. And uh, just do that. And if you don't mind, uh, when I finish up the, uh, the hosting website for the October project, uh, if you don't mind uh, tweeting that out, uh, everybody gets hold of it, that'd be great. Oh, yeah, of course. But one more question. Can you phonetically spell your last name? Oh, phonetically? So it's Tumble. T-U-M-E-L-E-T-Y. So Tumble, T-U-Y. Okay. I'm looking at it right now, but for people that are like, what? how do you spell his last name online? Oh, uh, <laughs> that's all right. So, so for people trying to spell it, it's Tumble, T-Y. So T-U-M-B-L-E-T-Y. Okay, awesome. That's, that's how, like, everybody, like, whether it's a credit card company, they do Tumble, T-U-Y. So I got to worry about. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise and your knowledge. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much for reaching out and wanting to come on the show. Yeah, anytime. Like I said, I'm a big fan of yours. I appreciate everything you do. Um, well, don't say anytime because usually we could come back on here later if I'm like, oh, I need to talk hey. to somebody this week. and be like, how's that novel search coming along with the agents? Hey, anytime. <laughs> all right, anytime. awesome. Um, but no, I really appreciate you know all that you do for your community, um, just on Twitter or just you know whether it's photography. Um, you're just uh, you're a great guy to follow, and I encourage everybody to. Um, get on board with what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you, Patrick. Uh, I'm still having a hard time accepting compliments like that, but thank you very much. I appreciate it. You don't, you don't have to accept them. Just let them come. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, and I hope you have a good rest of the night. You too, man. I look forward to listening to this when it gets up. Oh, no problem. It's a good one. It, it came out great. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, you have a great night. You too. Bye. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning in. And once again, if you just Google Patrick Tumblety, T-U-M-B-L-E-T-Y, just type his name into Google and you will see what he is all about. Thank you for tuning in to another episode where you learned about somebody other than yourself. And with on that note, I will see you in the next episode.